Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Sam, Vince, and Tyler. What's up, guys? What's going on? Hey there. Well, uh, it's the post-Super Bowl lull. Not a lot going on. Baseball's locked out. <laughs> um, so let's just go down the list, Vince. Uh, you wanted to start with the NFL? Uh, NBA, I said, but yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I'm they're playing. Yeah, they're playing the uh, All-Star game right as we uh, speak. Um, uh, Curry just hit a nice little shot, did a little air guitar, gave us gave the people a little uh, show uh, down in Vegas. So, you know. Um, in Vegas or in, or in or, Cleveland? Or, or Cleveland, excuse me. Oh, because Cleveland rocks. Yeah, I, I was thinking the NHL All-Star <laughs> game was in Vegas. Um, All-Star games are happening all the time. And uh, Sam, you, you've already made it clear All-Star games don't really matter. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, I basically have been shouting from the rooftops that I just want my players to do good and not get hurt and then call it a day. I don't care who wins or whatever. But um, yeah, it's kind of nice to see. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson made a good appearance in the dunk contest. He made it to the finals last night. I do have to admit, though, that's probably one of the most boring dunk contests I think I've ever seen, like ever. Um, <laughs> I, I have a, a suggestion. I'm kind of curious what you guys think. I know that Sam's kind of, you know, has his thoughts about all-star and whatever it is, but <clears throat> I was thinking – what if the all-star teamed up with those guys that do the, that do the dunk competitions? So like, for instance, you know, a, a theory that I heard, or at least a, a, I guess not a theory, but more like a correlation is that um, long shot golfers, right? Like that's, that's what they do. It doesn't mean they're the best golfers in the world. Right. So NBA players are the best NBA players. It doesn't mean they're the best dunkers in the world. Right. That's not their expertise. So I was thinking, what if you take these guys that are like, that's what they do. They're dunkers. They enter dunk competitions. There's been on some on TV and whatnot. And they pair up with like, have like a little draft and each guy picks whatever one they want is on their team. And they both do a dunk and they take the combined score and they make it like a team out of it. So that way the fans get, you know, a little bit more exciting dunks by people who are actually doing dunks for their career, for their livelihood. You mean like the guys like at uh, Rucker Park in New York or whatever, and like yeah, 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 grab one of those guys and like like grab four of those guys and four NBA players and kind of combine yeah. it that way. That yeah. might be kind of cool. Uh, uh, get some uh, shine a light on the guys that aren't necessarily in the NBA but are still like able to wow us. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't hate that idea. You just take a, the combined score between the two of them as teammates, and then you know just do a normal tournament tree. Something exciting. I'm just thinking hypothetically because it was the most boring dunk concept I've ever seen. And I'm just trying to think of how would you make it fun again? Because that's uh, the what we saw between Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. You're probably not going to see that for quite some time. That was probably the most electrifying dunk contest we've seen since I don't know MJ back in the day. Yeah, it's like these dunk contests now, three point shooting contests, and you know these all star games. They you know even they don't want to play. You know, so yeah. even the dunkers don't really want to participate in, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson's like our guy. He's on the Warriors. We support him. We love his story. He's, you know, from the Bay Area. You know, we support him. But it's, you know, All-Star Weekend is supposed to be for the stars. And when the superstars of the leagues don't want to play or participate, then it's not really fun. And then when you see these gimmicky 
games, it's not that fun. Um, I mean, I guess it would be fun if you're, if you're a little kid and you're at the event, I guess it's kind of cool. Um, I remember years and years ago, I got to go to a, um, Raiders versus 49ers, like basketball charity event. And it was dirt cheap. And I got to, you know, sit pretty close and got to high five some of the players as they came out. Um, they were pretty loose and it was like some type of charity event. I don't, I don't remember the exact cause. That was cool. But as an adult, I would not be interested in this. Um, you know, nobody really wants to play hard because they don't want to get hurt. They got the season, you know, so how do you fix it? I, I think you just, you put it, you know, at the end of the season, you put it um, somewhere where, you know, maybe in between playoffs and regular seasons. So the teams that are eliminated, you know, the all-stars actually play. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know what you can do to make it competitive or interesting. It, it, I don't think any type of tournament style in the NBA is going to change it because these guys don't want to participate. Well, the other thing too I, I heard was like somebody was like, why don't you incentivize money? I'm like, well, put it this way. LeBron gets paid like $50 million. If you put like a pot of a million dollars, he's still not going to play. He can make $50 million in like three games. There's LeBron, no reason to incentivize money. LeBron has his, you know, same with Curry, same with a lot of these superstars. They have their NBA contracts and then all these endorsements. And then LeBron is now producing feature films with uh, his Braun Entertainment or Brawny or whatever it's called. But he's producing feature films in Hollywood. he has he has so much money he has so much wealth and influence like it it doesn't even it doesn't even matter i I think out of the whole thing i only got uh highlights of it was the uh the rising stars uh competition um that was probably the most interesting thing that i got to check out but i didn't sit down and watch it you know i I just saw clips I wanted to watch for Kaminga and they, he got exited in the first yeah. game anyway. So well, second game, but still he didn't make it out of the first round to put it that way. It, it was all right. I mean, look, it, I think it's, it's a little bit for the fans in the sense of, you know, what they can do during the all-star game with all these dunks and all this stuff. But honestly, like I do love the dunks, but after about like the first quarter of seeing, I'm kind of over it. I'm like, cool. That guy's done another 360 dunk. So I don't, I don't know what you could do to really change it to make it a little better. But, you know, like Ben said, you just want to see your guy do good, right. which Curry just flashed out a three right now. So that's all you want to see. The I think the NBA should really reevaluate their schedule and move the All-Star game a couple of weeks back so that when you're done with the Super Bowl, you're – Right now, we should be talking about the NBA. We should be talking about standings, and you know, instead they take the they take their All Star break right after the Super Bowl, and we're, you listen to all the talk radio, local, national, like nobody's talking about NBA right now. Now we're you listen to all the radio stations, podcasts, they're all like talking about NFL draft. They're talking about trades. They're talking about free agency. You know, they're not even talking about the the NBA at the all-star break. You know, like this, this should be primetime NBA going forward, you know, and they just, 
all star weekends and all sports, all sports just kind of suck. And I get the players need a break. They need time off. They need to rest, um, things like that. And with scheduling, I've been a huge proponent of less is more, you know, there's, there's too many, there's too many games. MLB has way too many games. Um, you know, NBA, I think has way too many games, shrink the season down by a few games. And, you know, when you do your all-star break, um, or even during season, you get more, more time off during the season to keep these guys fresh, but it's just terrible timing, a terrible event. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think about uh, the NHL all-star game and they put it, um, the same week as the NFL all-star game. And they're like, like, to me, it's like, I, I don't know. Are you trying to just kind of latch onto the, that? Are you trying to ride coattails? Or are you trying to make your game disappear entirely? Um, I get having, uh, in, in a way, uh, that's what makes the the NBA All-Star game after the Super Bowl make a little bit more sense to me. Um, it's still, I mean, we're still not talking about it, really. I mean, we are, but like, we, the the people, the holistic we, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just not all that hyped up. And yeah, I mean, all-star games are just, it, it's kind of rough. Um, we could talk standings real quick, though. I mean, we can abs- yeah. absolutely Let's do that. Uh, the Warriors are second in the West. They're 42 and 17 at the break. Uh, there's 23 games left. So this all-star game's coming almost three quarters into the season. Right. Um, that feels a little deep. Like, like it should be, uh, uh, it should be earlier. It probably should be, I don't know, mid-January. But, but then you're running into the NFL playoffs, and I think that's probably a non-zero percent of the reason why they push it back to after the Super Bowl is because they didn't want to even try to dance with that. Um, yeah, um, I mean, that, make, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know. I think the a plus side and a downside, I guess, well, it doesn't matter if you're a fan. I guess it just matters if you're a front office. But the plus side would be that if you were to acquire a player, which they usually make their deadline – for the trade deadline right before the all-star then the newly acquired player would have more time to gel with your team you know but i guess uh moving the deadline would be tough for for gms but who gives a crap about them <laughs> they get paid right. millions of dollars to scout scout people out anyway so i'm sure they've already had boards for months prior to this but i, I think that would be a, a big plus side too is that your team would have a chance to gel with their new guy a little bit longer instead of just 20 20 games to figure it out I think, you know, kind of going back to the all-star thing would be kind of cool is whatever city you're in, um, you know, maybe you've got like Team LeBron, Team Curry. Maybe you expand on that to, you know, four to six players and they they do. So Curry and LeBron would essentially be a, a coach, you know, or Durant would be a coach. And then you would have like some type of um, street ball tournament. So now you're not risking NBA players getting hurt. And then you do, you know, like Rucker Park, you know, there's, there's courts like that. If you, if the all-star game was at the, you know, Oracle here in San Francisco, you, you would do uh, some street parks and do a tournament. Um, Something that's just more exciting and still giving back to the community and charity, but this is just non-competitive sports is not fun. You watch it for competitive reasons. You watch it to see, Someone wins and someone loses, you know, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Like you play to win. That's the, I, we don't care about ties, you know, it's so I don't know. 
it's uh you know i agree with you vince the timing of it you know they don't want to compete with the playoffs it's way late um you know and yeah so i don't know nba you know record wise jumping over back to the record is i don't think they're going to catch the number one seed the warriors yeah i mean phoenix is six and a half up right now so you know, with what'd you say, 22, 23 games left? Uh, 23 games left for the uh, Warriors, six and a half. Uh, that's that's pretty tough. Um, Chris Paul is out for the next six days, basically for the rest of the regular season, probably. He might mm-hmm. be able to get back in for the last game or two. Um, so, I mean, if, if six and a half games is a lot to overcome to try to take the number one seed, um, but a Chris Paul injury all of a sudden, um, it depends how how Phoenix obviously reacts to that, how they play without Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Paul seems to always get hurt at the most inopportune times, man. Always at the end of the season or during the playoffs. It's it's never he doesn't. I mean, not that there's a good time to get hurt and in general, but his timing is always bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, man. He got he got hurt with the with with the Rockets, and I fully think that um, with the healthy Chris Paul. They would have the won Rockets, that series. They would have won that I series. I think they would have sure. won that series. Yeah, definitely. Um, Draymond probably will say something different. He's been all over uh, like um, JJ Reddick's podcast and whatnot, you know, talking about how Daryl Morey said that he built his team to beat to uh, beat the Warriors. And they Draymond said he took offense to that. And then uh, they made sure that the Rockets were never going to beat them, which they didn't. But uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. A healthy Chris Paul probably would have maybe have pushed that one to the edge there and they may have won that one mm-hmm. but he's out right now what six to eight weeks with a fractured thumb yeah it's like something in his hand like a, i think it's a thumb but yeah yeah so he he played tonight but yeah i think uh in the all-star game he just wanted an assist for whatever reason i don't know i don't know why he played i don't it doesn't make any sense but yeah it is what it is but yeah i don't i don't think they're going to catch him uh i am very excited because i hear that draymond is on the verge of coming back uh, I think uh, he's supposed to be re-evaluated, re-evaluated come Monday. Oh, tomorrow, I guess. And then um, I think they're projecting uh, like early March, like the first weekend of March, he should be back. And then the, also Wiseman should be back when we're near like March 20th is what people are predicting. So we're getting close. We're getting mm-hmm. real close. Yeah, I don't expect anything out of Wiseman. It's just at this point, just see the court. <laughs> just get on the court i'm not really expecting anything from him well if anyone needs a rest on this warriors team it's it's kevon looney he's been playing out of his mind and i think i was telling you i was like you know he, he plays out of his mind he did this you know three years ago when it was contract season so looney's not stupid he knows it's contract season so he's playing uh at an excellent level here and i uh, i i honestly fully think that you know there's more games we could have lost without him into it, but I definitely think uh, towards the end of the stretch there, they lost what four out of five games or something like that. The only one they won was against the Lakers, um, a healthy Draymond green and even a body of Wiseman would have definitely have uh, probably sealed a couple games. They probably would have went, you know, uh, three or four out of, out of the five, but it is what it is. Just get the two seat, just get the home court. That's all that matters. Yeah, I think I think you know. I mean, I don't know. It's just hard for me to put any value in James Wiseman because you know, even as he looked athletic when he was playing last year, he made a lot of boneheaded fouls, 
out of position on defense. Um, it's just hard for me to say that, like, unless he's drastically improved, it's hard for me to see him, like, being a, a quality minutes guy, a plus, you know, minutes where he's he's being a decider. Yeah, he could be a body out there, but, you know, he's also shown that he can be a body making a lot of bad fouls. And once he gets into foul trouble, now you're going back to the well of Gavon Looney or somebody else, you know, playing small ball. So I just don't want to count. I, I don't want to put any eggs in that basket. My, you know, my only egg in that basket is be healthy, finish the season strong, get your minutes and go from there. <laughs> you know, like I did, yeah. Like, but I, but I think I texted you guys when the Warriors lost to, to Utah on the buzzer beater there that, um, Dude, there is just no way that the number one priority in the offseason is to try and acquire a big man. Well, Curry and, shouldn't have been on the court. Why was Curry even out so, there? Uh, so here's I, I heard a lot about that too. I, I have an argument about that. And the reason being is that obviously, yeah, everyone's saying, why didn't they put, you know, uh, Gary Payton in there for defense, right? Well, here's the thing if they would have tied, not obviously win the game, if they would have tied, you had no timeouts. So now you've eliminated one of the best shooters in the game because you sacrificed defensively. And I, I think the way he looked at it was that Looney was gassed. So the likelihood of them going to this, to the middle of the rack with him having five fouls and getting two points was probably likely. So in my decision, if I was a head coach, I would have done the same thing. You know, I would have played for, you know, my team is gassed. I don't know if I'm able to make this stop, but at least I have the best shooter on, on the court with like 3.4 seconds left or whatever. There's no timeouts. They couldn't move it up the court. So that was my defense on it. You got anything to add, Vince? No, no. I mean, I I see the logic there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Curry was just out of position and, um, you know, it, it, it happens. He's, you know, he's, he's not known for his defense. Let's just say that. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's, yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, like to say that he he has improved his defense, but to go from the bottom to middle of the pack is still not doesn't make you a great defender. So, I mean, yeah, he just he 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 whiffed on that coverage there, and that's that's how that game ended. So, sucks, but what what can you do? You know, shit happens. Yeah. I mean, I I know that Wiseman's not going to be a uh, day one contributor. You know, change the whole entire dynamic of the Warriors. You know, but I'm curious to see. He put on what 30 pounds of muscle, something like that, you know? So he's basically the same weight and size as uh, Rudy Gobert right now, as far as like muscle goes. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. I mean, they, they hired, what's that coach's name? Militic or Militech or something like that. uh, That was basically Jokic's coach um, to coach Wiseman. So I, again, I don't expect a day one difference, but I do expect like a drastic difference from his first season, knowing that he's had one of the best center coaches coaching him all season, whether he's seen the court or not. I mean, it would be great to have him, you know, contribute, but he's coming off of a pretty drastic injury. Um, you know, like I said, I'm just looking for improvement. You know, uh, I just don't want to get my hopes up and then an injury happens or he stinks. Right. um, You know, because the moment he 
if he if he gets hurt again, you know, it's all those whispers. The talk is going to get a whole lot louder. Of um, he's probably going to be out the league due to injury and this and that. So I just you know hope the guy uh, wish the guy the best and hope he's healthy and. You know, if he makes improvement, I think physically we see the flashing of he's physically gifted. You know, he can he could definitely physically play in this league. Um, now it's just a matter of the mental. Is he is he going to be positioned uh, correctly? Is he going to not make the uh, the bad fouls? Um, and you know, because he did that a lot. You know, yeah, he only played three college games and not a lot in the NBA, but it's kind of hard to learn these, your opponent's tendencies and get better when you're studying game tape and rehabbing a knee injury and not playing a lot of ball. So yeah, we'll see, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. <laughs> well, uh, jumping to the, uh, one of the best team names I've ever heard in my life. Mm. The Commanders. Yeah. The Commandos. <laughs> uh, I heard this rumor too. I, maybe you guys can express on it more. I have not uh, uh, been up to snuff with my NFL rumors and, and talk lately, but Jimmy might go to uh, Washington for the 11th overall pick. Yeah, I've heard uh, quite a bit of talk about it. At the Washington Commanders are, are desperate, you know, and they're not – this quarterback class is considered to be, you know, on paper, one of the worst uh, quarterback classes. Of course, there's going to be quarterbacks taken in the first round because there always is. But a lot of these guys that are potentially first rounders in other years, they're probably third, fourth or fifth rounders or not even draft picks at all um, on some of the, the mid round quarterbacks. So there's going to be some teams that are reaching in desperate Um and Washington is looking at it where, you know what, if we trade, we could get a quarterback where we can win right now. Um, because the commanders with this new brand, with all of this bad publicity, they're just trying to get into the playoffs. Their Super Bowl is just be competitive, be respectable on the field, and get the the new logo winning. Um, so I could see why it makes sense for them. Um, and with Ron Rivera's health and – you know, uh, time ticking as, as a coach, I'm sure he just wants to, you know, get the, get the franchise on the right path. And, you know, that old cliche, you know, leave the place better than it was, uh, when you entered, you know, when you came over. So I could see it happening. That's it's a, a stiff, that's a high price to pay for, I think, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but if somehow the 49ers can can swing that deal, that's a that's a home run. That's a that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if the nine uh, if I'm uh, the Niners and I'm offered the number one uh, for Jimmy G, I'm doing that w without a without a hesitation. Maybe the only hesitation I make is to check in with other teams to see if they're willing to top it. Yeah. Like, yeah, th that's yeah, about absolutely. it. But like, I mean, uh, uh, that's uh, you gave up a two for him. Uh, to to New England uh, back in 2016, 2017, whenever the hell that was. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – you get a first-rounder back. That's uh, – uh, the 49ers traded away a couple first-rounders to move up to get Trey Lance. So getting back into the first round and being able to do it at the number 11 spot, you know, so that's a, you know, top third 
of, you know, uh, of the draft. So you're going to get a really high quality player there, hopefully, if you don't screw up the pick. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't do it at that point, you, you know? Sure. It's a, it's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, and if you get it, I mean, the 49ers, I would probably assume they're at the 11. They probably look at the offensive line, you know, to give more protection to, you know, their their young quarterback, Trey Lance, make sure he's going to not get hurt, um, give him that protection. Um, they could go wide receiver, but I, I think offensive line, uh, they might be able to find another wide receiver with their with their own first-round draft pick or second-round pick. Uh, later in the draft uh, adding depth for weapons things like that so I think offensive line would definitely or even defensive back you know they need some defensive back so um, you can get a corner or safety uh, something like that so it would be great if they could pull it off you know I mean that speaks volumes to you know how desperate the commanders are but also to I mean the (laughs) How many times have the 49ers swindled as a uh, with their GM as far as getting these draft picks? You know, I think uh, they robbed New England. They uh, they robbed uh, what was the other team? Uh, Chicago. Yeah, uh, they robbed yeah, Chicago. They, yeah, they did it to Chicago a couple of the, a couple of years in a row, I think, too. Um, <laughs> made them think they were taking Mitch Trubisky, and then like traded back and ended up getting Solomon Thomas, who eh, didn't really end up working out. But I mean. Solomon Thomas, Thomas was the guy the whole way. I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know who they had fooled, you know, or maybe the, the Niners were talking to somebody else. I don't know, but whatever. I ain't mad at it. Um, yeah. So um, uh, in other quarterback news, uh, Derek Carr is rumored to be getting an extension, Sam. Yeah. Was it uh, 40 mil a year for five years? Is that what's happening or what? Four years? There's- there's been a bunch of rumors out there. They're saying that the there's way there's been a few ways presented on how he could basically get paid forty million a year, and it doesn't blow up the yearly cap. So a lot of it could be uh, bonuses. A lot of it could be in that final year. Um, so guaranteeing the final year uh, bonus and things like that. So there's there's all these different ways to move the money around. Um, there's rumors that he is willing to take a pay cut if there's somehow, some way they're able to trade for uh, Devontae Adams. So that's being floated out there. Um, I, I've i been pretty confident that they're not going to move off of Derek Carr. I think ever since Josh McDaniels signed here, I thought, I thought that meant Derek Carr was going to be here probably for the next three years at least, you know, given injury, retirement, things of that nature, or, or the wheels just come off the bus altogether. Um, I think Josh McDaniels came here because of Derek Carr. And there's also other rumors coming out that Derek Carr really wanted somebody, wanted Der- Josh McDaniels specifically to be the head coach after John Gruden. Um and there, there's been this uh, these comments kind of talking about Derek Carr's personality, where he's he's a robot. You know, he wants to be coached hard, and all he cares about is winning and being a better quarterback. And I think he looked at Josh McDaniels and saw those Super Bowl rings that he accomplished with Tom Brady. And what do they say about Tom Brady that? 
he's a robot. Like when he's in the huddle, when he's in the locker room, when he's in, all he wants to do is practice, study film. You know, like that's all. He, and that's what we hear about Derek Carr. And I think um, the pairing is going to make more sense than Gruden and Carr did. Um, and everywhere, you know, from college to every head coach that, you know, Derek Carr has had, everybody has said he's, he, he's pretty much adapted his game to that offense, whatever they wanted them to do. He's adapted himself to that offense. And I've criticized Derek Carr, like the, the fucking fumbles piss me off more than anything in the world. And I think that's what pisses off Raider fans is these damn fumbles and timely fumbles. Um, but I think the respect that he doesn't always get is how many head coaches and offensive coordinator, has this guy had, there's been a meme floating around. Like, you know, he's had, he's been in the league nine years, like seven head coaches and he wants to sign on an extension. Like if that ain't, you know, um, you know, dedication and loyalty, then I don't know what is, you know, type of, you know, memes being floated out there. So um, I think he's going to get an extension. And I think with Josh McDaniels, we'll probably see the best, offensive statistic seasons of Derek Carr's career. Um, I really believe that. I don't know if that results in a Super Bowl win or appearance or, you know, I don't know that. But I think he's getting a really good coach that's a lot more cerebral to the offensive game um, where with all due respect to what Gruden accomplished as a, as a offense, you know, when, when Gruden came from Philadelphia to, the Oakland Raiders, he was considered an offensive genius at the time. Um, I think the game has changed quite a bit um, this season. And since he came back to coaching, um, his offenses haven't really looked that dynamic, um, way too conservative in my opinion. And I think we're going to see a better balance um, and better play calling and better, better coaching to put players in positions to, be successful offensively so i'm all for it if you could keep Derek carr there's a great off there's darren waller there's uh you know the they got a they got a an awesome tight end um stable they have you know hunter renfro in new england has trotted out those little white guy wide receivers year in year out and they've been successful you got that in renfro um and you got two running backs and a fullback. So you, you, you have similar personnel that New England and Josh McDaniels likes to run. So I think offensively, you have the potential to be, you know, pretty damn good. And, you know, you got your draft picks and you got a general manager who come also coming from New, New England on the back end of the roster, you're going to find some gems. You're going to find some guys that are better. And I think that's been the biggest struggle of the Raiders as a whole is they haven't been able to find guys to step in and take control of, uh, especially the defense. So there's going to be a whole bunch of guys they move off of. I think, you know, Jonathan Abram is gone. Um, Corey Littleton is gone? gone. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Abram is terrible in, in pass coverage. Awful. Absolutely terrible. Um penalized way too much um he's pretty good in the run game um but also 
injuries, you know, he's constantly injured. He's had one healthy season. He got hurt the first game of his, um, first game of his, uh, of the, of his career. He got hurt, was gone for the next 15 weeks. His second year he was there. Um, I think he missed a couple games and then this year he got hurt and, um, missed like the, the last half of the season. So, I think he's gone, and and then with his rookie contract and and what you have to bring him back on, it's way too expensive. You can get a veteran for that same price tag and, and get better play. Um, so there's going to be a lot of changes. Littleton's gone. I would say uh, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but Kowalski's gone. Um, you know, there's just you know uh, Diablo outplayed both of them at the linebacker position, so. There's a couple of younger guys that I think are more promising and with this whole new coaching staff coming in, um, I think you're going to see more young guys getting opportunity and Zeigler's going to turn the roster over and, and bring in a whole bunch of guys that are, I think, more disciplined and are just better fits, you know, for the team. Yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the, the upcoming season. Um, do you know what draft picks the Raiders have by any chance? Just out of curiosity. I think they're 22 overall. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly. So I think they're going to be looking at defense. Um, yeah. Depending on what what falls to them, they could go wide receiver. You know, there's a couple of wide receivers that are projected to be, you know, somewhere in that spot where they're drafting. Um. I th- but I think they're going to be looking at defenses, you know, you know, trying to find an edge rusher to balance out, uh, you know, Crosby um, or, you know, a big, a, a legit nose tackle. Um, you know, they, they could go linebacker. I mean, they, all three levels of the defense needs help right now. So I could see them going, you know, any way on the defense. Do you know, Vince, what's, draft picks the 49ers have uh not in the first okay yeah so i mean yeah that's that that's why the um the commanders uh dealing the first round to the niners is especially intriguing Hmm. well i mean again i'm excited for both i saw a a highlight uh i guess they said it was a um you know unreleased video of of uh um your the, the 49ers quarterback here doing no look passes and on the run passes yeah. and uh, yeah the, the the practice hype video yeah it looks pretty cool I mean, looks good yeah. it's practice but it looks good you know it's something to be excited practice. about i know, you know it, was, it was exciting practice. it was exciting to watch i'm used to on darts but again there's a difference between you know not being touched in practice and aaron donald trying to rip your head off type of type of deal but uh it's cool you know get you something to be excited about i'm also uh i know we're, we're talking about nfl here but uh dude <laughs> the uh nba is doing the halftime they're announcing the 75 players and i thought they were just gonna like do like maybe like a couple they're literally announcing all 75 yeah. players <laughs> yeah. e- even the ones that are dead they're like they're, they're putting them on the screen and they're leaving it all on there for like 10 seconds like they're they're letting it run um, the NBA has zero qualms about taking, uh, like taking all the time that it wants to do to do these, uh, to do this and, uh, good on them. I mean, there's no one competing against as far as, uh, you know, airtime. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Uh, I think it's time to switch gears uh, to baseball before we call it a night, fellas. So um, first off, uh, the the owners and the players, they did make an agreement. The universal DH. Uh, the DH is going to be in the National League. It's it's here. It's happening. Yeah, we knew that was happening yeah. for sure. We yeah, that, that was I mean, that was something that was like we, going into this. We knew that was going to happen, but it's it's official now. So um uh, no more pitchers, you know, wasting at bats, you know, uh, getting, you know, bat- coming up with a batting average of 052, you know, just embarrassing themselves. Uh, we're going to get a professional hitter there, which means the pitchers in the National League get to work a little bit harder uh, on their pitching and not have to worry about um, dropping bunts or whatever the hell else they need to do. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'm curious how MOB teams are going to use that. Like, Will Arizona still employ like uh, you know, um, I just I just had his name and I Madison Bumgarner. Thank you. Will they? Do you think they'll still use Mad Bum at DH? Um, I'm curious because there is some like pitchers that they, there's they a couple. Hit. I there's mean, a yeah, few. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. You, you, for every Madison Bumgarner, there's like 84 uh, guys who can't hit. So, I mean. I'm not worried. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it might be interesting to see like if they'll actually let Madison Bumgarner hit. I mean, he might try to lobby for it and every now and then they may, you know, like maybe every third start or something, they'll like burn the DH and let him hit and, you know, or something. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, But I I just, you know, I, I, I've, I've been over pitchers hitting. I've, I've, it's, it's not as cool as everybody claims it is. Like it's, you know, everybody what you, was. Yeah, what do you ahead. mean? Shamanaya went four for five in Colorado. Ooh. <laughs> and you got, a, you got a double. <laughs> That's cool. I got a triple playing in my rec league softball. I was exhausted. <laughs> I had to hit the inhaler. I'm done. <laughs> well, people, people that are complaining about it are still complaining about the strategy. You know, it's, well, there's going to be new strategy. You know, because you see teams like, you know, here in the Bay Area, you saw the San Francisco Giants. They didn't have a full-time DH. They had like five guys rotating through being yeah. different DHs. So I think the the future of the designated hitter is going to be what the Giants did, what the A's did the past couple years. You know, the A's have rotated their DHs, you know, getting guys rest. Um, I think you know, the Giants took it to a whole new level the past couple of years when they had the DH where they had, you know, literally there's like three or four guys that were rotating as a DH, playing the field, playing different different uh, positions on the field. Um, I think the only player that you might think about not using the DHs when he's pitching is Shohei Otani. Um, mm. But even then, I would I would have a DH focus on pitching – Give us a good start, and then you know the other the other uh, four games in between, you could focus on hitting. You're the DH, you know. Um, so I think it's going to work out better for him um, because I think he's you know he's going to be able to focus on each craft. You know, uh, we're going to see a little you know some rest for him, um, not have to do both. You know, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't see um, um, Bumgarner hitting because he's our, he's getting a little older. 
and he does hit home runs as a pitcher, which is great, but it's not like he's a, a doubles machine or, you know, he's not the athlete that Shohei is. Um, he's not hitting for a high average. Um, he's definitely going to be a, a pitcher that you're still going to bat ninth where now with both leagues having the DH, you, where do you want to put your DH? It depends on who you're going with and who you have that could come into the game late. Do you want to get that extra at bat at the top of the order? Do you want to give it as a power hitter? Do you, do you want it to be at the bottom half of the order where, you know, it's the, the strategy is different where now if you get your, you get a leadoff hitter, and now your DH is the the nine hitter who's like a an additional leadoff hitter. Now you got another type table setter for where the lineup has changed. Where now we're putting power hitters in the two hole because of that table setter. Um, so it just change the the strategy is still there. So anybody who's saying, "Oh, you ruined the strategy," no, it's just different strategy. You're just pissed off that. The game is a little bit different and the strategy is a little bit different. And now you have to think a little different. And that's what, that's, what's ticking you off. So I, I think I this is a good that change. They, yeah. I argue uh, that they simplified it. Cause you know, how confusing it is to explain somebody who's never watched baseball, how a double switch works. That is the hardest thing to explain to them. And then they go, uh, that still doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, yeah, just don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, I, I, I got a, um, uh, I was a little curious. So I took a look. Um, does anybody want to guess? Uh, we're going to play higher or lower. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Madison Bumgarner's career batting average. Mm. What do you think it is? Uh, higher or lower two... than what? So, so you guess a number and I'll tell you to go higher or lower. Uh, 233. Lower. Ooh, 165. Higher. 190. Lower. 180. 185. Lower than 180. 175. It's 172. Ouch. So, I mean, why would you bat if, that? If, <laughs> yeah, why, why would you? That's his career batting average. And uh, this last season, uh, he, he pitched in 25 games, I believe. He had 76 plate appearances. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. He, 25 games, 52 plate appearances, and hit for a buck 03. Yeah, no thanks. I mean, he was a he was 127 in 2019. They didn't have uh, they played the DH in 2020 uh, because of uh, the pandemic. So and 159 in his last uh, uh, in um, in 2018. So uh, he like the last uh, four years. I mean, the last three years, four years that he was hitting, we're we're talking a guy. His best was 159. I mean, I don't. If that was your second baseman, he'd be sent back down to triple A. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't, everybody talks about, you know, your, you know, Madison Bumgarner being a, a, hit, a hitting pitcher, but I mean, yeah, compared to the other guys, I mean, the, the guys that are, you know, hitting for 0.043, he's a hitting pitcher, but I'm, I'm not batting a guy that's 103. Give me the designated hitter. Yeah, I'm 100%. 100% agree, Vince. Okay, we got. That hey, let me way. ask you. Let me ask you oh, this though about MLB rule changes. You know, 2020 pandemic year, we got this uh, man on second in the later innings, which everybody went bonkers for. But the thing, what shook out was you know the man on second, in the extra innings on the front end. People were really pissed about that. The three batter minimum thing, where relievers come in, you got to face three batters. 
that was the one that I was pissed off most about. And it's the one thing that I'm still like, that's the rule that is terrible. The three batter minimum is terrible. You can't have offense and quicker games. If a guy is getting lit up, if you bring in a middle reliever and he's getting lit up, like and you're stuck with him for and another stuck for a batter longer than you want. Right. Like, to, no, yeah. you can't have and then you go to another how many games you see in an MLB game where like things just get out of control and reliever after reliever just sucks. They they just don't have it. You know, it happens almost daily with, you know, 15, 16 games being played in a given day. There's always a team's bullpen that just in, implodes on itself every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's your team. Sometimes it's the opponent. Sometimes it's some game uh, across the, on, the, yeah. on the other side of the country. But it just, you can't have more offense and quicker games. It's, it's just not going to work. So are you asking the MLB implements? Go back to the way it degree? was. Go or back if to the way it was bad. You could just change it out. Correct. I yeah. mean, you used to have you used to be able to have pitchers that couldn't get an out, and you can go to a reliever, because the the um the excuse me the manager walking to the mound to get a to get a reliever is not delaying the game. What's delaying the game is not being able to swap out pitchers. What's delaying yeah. the game is that there is more offense that there's more offense than ever. You know, so I, I heard it interesting because the the ongoing topic is how do you make baseball more appealing and more, uh, I guess, easier to watch, right? Like people want to, people can't sit for nine innings and sit for three hours for a game, right? So I guess my question is like, what is so appealing in the world of soccer? Like, how is it gratifying to watch guys run up and down a field for 90 plus minutes? yet baseball can't seem to figure out what soccer is going to be like popular. It's a long game. You know, it's going to be long. I don't know if there's anything baseball can do. I think it just has to expand on the fact that, you know, they could do little things to tweak the game to make it shorter, but there's nothing you can really do. I think to make it more riveting and exciting. I don't know. I think think there's little things. I think there's little things and it starts with probably, you know, college and coming into the minor leagues where, you know, the the no more Garcia Parra warm up every at bat, you know, stepping out of the box, pitchers taking forever to get the sign. Um, there's like little things. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where Mark Mulder and Tim Hudson and, you know, were going when Mark Mulder pitched, that game was over in an hour and a half. <laughs> you know, that game w- was was over. Um I think what's delaying the length of these games is this true outcome where it's walk, strikeout, foul pitches off, where if you get you get these Brandon Belt guys that he's getting a standing ovation because he fouled off 15 pitches and, and then he struck out. You know, I, it's those types of at-bats. Okay, yeah, we, we knocked the starter out, but it's if you're just fouling off pitches and you're being rewarded because you got – you you took the at bat to 15 pitches, but you still struck out or grounded into the double play. That's throughout the league. Just foul it off, foul it off, foul. Okay. We got the pitcher out, you know, hit a home run, you know, strike out. Like those are the things that 
delay the game. It, what makes it exciting is a stolen base, you know, yeah. good defense, so, a starter I, going seven, eight innings. You don't see that anymore. I think, well, that's because guys still harder and harder. It, it's, it's, it's just really taxing. I think to, to throw a full nine innings, you know, there's not many guys can do, it. I mean, look at the Grom can do it, but he's constantly hurt. You know what I mean? You just can't throw a hundred plus miles an hour for, for that longevity of a game constantly day in, day out. But anyways, um, I think my opinion or what I think could be done to make the league more exciting isn't going to happen in our lifetime, I think. Or at least if it does, we're going to be old as shit when it happens. And what I'm saying is that if you watch like Latin leagues, like Dominican Republic and Mexico leagues, whatever, those guys are talking they're excited you know uh, a play breaks out even like korean baseball like some they i mean that's mostly fanfare but it's getting everyone involved and i think baseball's problem is itself he's got all these unwritten rules where if a dude hits a home run off of you the pitcher gets all pissed off you know and everyone's got to be no you need to sit still be courteous you know run the bases no man like be excited you know pump be tatis be be these guys that are exciting and riveting because it makes kids want to play that way. Hell, and be Marcana and, yeah. and, you know, institute bat flipping season. Yeah. I'm okay with it. And I, and I think like, uh, uh, was it LaRusso got mad at his guy because they were up like 16 something and he hit a home run off of him. And I'm like, and I'm like dude, so what? Don't pitch it down the middle. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like it, it think it needs to be MLB needs to stop policing itself and be a little bit more free. Because kids will see that, and then kids will go out and imitate what they see. So if they see a guy going out there and having a good time, you know, hitting a home run and celebrating what's, it with his teammates, getting the crowd involved, like that's what needs to be happening. What sucks is if you had a guy like Ichiro come up today, he wouldn't be in the league because he doesn't hit enough jacks. You know, <laughs> like, like that's the, like we 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 want the MLB wants home runs and that's what's they're clearly they altered the ball. We know that we've beat mm-hmm. that horse on this podcast before in the past that we know MLB purchased Rawlings and they changed the ball. We know that we know they have the data and the technology to manipulate the ball and change the seams and do this and do that. We know that. And they geared the ball so that it's, if you get a, a decent enough hit on it, it's it's gone. Doubles are now home runs. Home runs are out of literally out of the ballpark. Um, we need, I think, as a fan, we need a. How do you say it? You know, you need the the Curry of the game. Who, you yeah. need a guy who's going to come in and change the game. There's there's a guy, maybe a maybe a Ichiro that hits a lot of home runs. Um, but is still capable of stealing bases. I mean, I think Ichiro changed, you know, I think Ichiro would have been capable of being a 30 homer guy year in, year out, but he would have sacrificed his batting average. And I think he played the game to get on base. And if he got the right pitch, he's going to, he's going to be opportunistic with his swings. Um, me personally, if I was building a team, I would love to have four or five guys that just got on base and stole bases, you know, and, and have a couple of boppers, you know, like I'd be okay with that. But if I had nine guys that were, were batting 300, that could steal and run. Like I, 
I could live without the home run. To me, baseball is most exciting when the home run was rare. Is that when you you got guys that were doubles guys or base stealing guys, and you know everybody kind of had their own little tool belt. Right now, the only guys that matter you, you hit home runs and you throw a hundred. Like that's that's boring. That's the problem with the game. Is that's how they want to play the game. Is that's how these general managers and you know, to, to a degree, this, uh, the money ball thing, right? Like is these stats in advanced stats. Um, those are, those are kind of the things is they're, they're just playing to the percentages, the shift. Well, this guy hits it over here, move, move your defense over there. You know, all those things is what's hurting baseball. Yeah. I think the shift shouldn't be, the shift shouldn't be gone, but I think a team, should be only allowed to use a shift a certain amount of times during a game. Sorry. I just, it's, it's so boring to know. I mean, the devil advocate would be, well, why don't your guy just learn to hit, you know, the opposite side of the field or bunt to the other side of the field? Yeah, you're right. But at the same time, I don't want to see a shift. You know, every single player has a shift on them. It's so boring, you know? I, and I think that cheering fan parents. So my, my, my statement when I was talking about like why soccer is so riveting, I mean, like when a guy scores a goal, the whole entire team is out there celebrating and the fans get into it. And I just feel like we need more celebratory things in the sport of baseball to make it more exciting. You know, I want more Javi Baez and, you know, talking smack and more Tatis, you know, celebrating. Like I, I think the game needs that. It needs to stop policing itself. I think about um, like a walk-off home run, uh, you know, how guys Mm -hmm. get excited for that. Um, I think if they allow, like, like if, you know, they were morally, allowed to cheer for every time there was a lead changing home run for example like you get all the guys lining up at the plate or you know just something little like that you know you uh instead of just you know give them the high fives in the dugout or do your little home run tunnel or whatever if you're like out there at home plate ready to greet that guy when he put you in the lead especially if he did it in the in the sixth or the seventh and that doesn't have to be in the ninth you know um yeah if you do it like let him do it you know, uh, at a crucial point in the game, it doesn't have to be the last pitch of the game, but like just, just little moments like that. If something big happens, um, you know, celebrate it a little bit more. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. And to anyone who's listening, if you've never watched like a, a game in the Dominican Republic or any kind of Latin leagues, a guy KBO. hits a single <laughs> and yeah, a guy hits a single and this whole entire team is celebrating. Like the crowd is going crazy from a guy hitting like a double, you know what I mean? Like, it's fun to watch. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you're in tune because you're like, oh man, is the next guy, you know, going to hit some, it's going to be crazy. It's, you know, they're stealing all the time. And to your point, Sam, it, and it's, you know, it, it's exciting to watch. And I, I just think that baseball's policing itself too hard and it's a little too archaic. And the number one thing they that, need to do, if you want to, you know, br- make fans unified, with the with the players just have a unification of baseball you gotta get rid of manfred just he's a fucking yes. idiot get uh, rid 100%. of this guy 100 percent. yeah you know get rid of him um he's terrible um there baseball is just in such a i i really would not be surprised if like it got worse over the next 10 years um because with social media, the NFL, NBA, um, you're able to talk about it and share it 
on social media and you can't do that with MLB. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can't share a video of a home run unless it was released by MLB. Yeah. They, know, so, they police themselves really hard on that too. You know, yeah. so I ask myself how much money is MLB making from controlling all of the media? And then how much are they spending to police the internet? You know what I mean? Like who, okay. Have your media platform, have your television studio, you know, your channel have all that, but why spend millions and millions of dollars policing people from talking about your game? That makes no sense to me. That's one of the reasons why basketball, you know, in the last 20 years is leapfrog baseball's popularity because, you know, things like that. Like you could, John Morant can do a windmill dunk and I can find out about it on YouTube, you know, five seconds after it happens. You know, the thing too about baseball that needs to happen is, you know, their MLB owners want to want to cut the minor leagues and just have uh, basically a triple A system you know um i think the other part of it is is youth leagues have become so expensive that it's golf you can't afford it you know it's tennis you can't afford it the gear is too expensive to get on the on the proper team is too expensive um you need you need to make it affordable and you need to get in. Unfortunately, I hate to say this. You need to get into the communities that are in poverty. And right now mm-hmm. it's a white collar sport. It's a privileged sport. And baseball is and was at its best when it's available to everybody. And that's why the NFL is a, as like, uh, we're getting to the level where, there's like second and third generation players, but for the most part, a lot of these people that are that are huge hits in the NFL are are people that came from poorer communities. You know, well, and that being said, though, is NBA that, as well. But baseball is only expensive in the states. That's like what I'm saying. Everywhere else in the yeah, everywhere else in the world, it's <clears throat> it's a sport that anyone can pick up and play. You don't have to That's have what cleats. I'm, you know? Exactly. You know, you don't see the Sandlot games that we used to play. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that doesn't happen. When I was a kid, man, oh, we didn't even have a bat. It was literally a stick. You yeah. know? <laughs> like we, did, we didn't have gloves. You know, some of us had gloves. Some of us didn't. You know, we would, um, you know, go out there and, you know, you hit home runs and, you know, shag fly balls. And, you know, you'd play, uh, you know, very – various versions of baseball, you know, with your friends and, you know, Vince, you get, you get, um, 10 swings and, you know, then, then it's Tyler's turn. You get 10 swings and, you know, we would do these things to, to just play, just to have fun, sandlot games. Um, you don't have any of that anymore. Just drive by a baseball diamond. Nobody's playing this game, you know, it's disconnected. Yeah, I, I actually was going to add in that, like, I used to play, like, I used to live, like, on a court, like, and so we would play at the end of the court um, with, like, I mean, I had baseball bats, so, like, we would play with a tennis ball, so we wouldn't damage the cars as much, right. but, like, I mean, there's no, 
um there's none of that I, we still broke a taillight once but um that, that was we just a perfect same pitch <laughs> but um yeah i mean uh kids aren't like playing in the streets uh at all either uh they're, they're not playing the sports in the streets they're not playing on the fields uh, all these fields are locked up that's another thing they're you can't get onto the fields um even at the public parks like i mean yeah uh it's it's tough like like you drive by any school like obviously you want to keep the schools fenced in but that's where a lot of these diamonds are that are available to play on is they're at schools and uh unless you get like a signed permit from the school district you're not practicing there so good luck trying to fight over the two fields that are not associated to a school you know so right there's a infrastructure problem uh with with getting to a field there's not enough interest in uh, the kids being on the field uh, to play the sport. It's like the whole thing's a, a mess. Uh, uh-huh. It's and uh, they're gonna have to spend a lot of money. Like you know, uh, a, they're gonna they spend a lot of money in uh, in, in like the Dominican Republic and in Central America and South America to try to cultivate uh, all these uh, Latin American players. Uh, they're going to have to start spending some money in America to do the same thing, right. uh, especially in the in the uh, lower income cities, uh, exactly. in the uh, inner cities and stuff, too. The the game needs to become more athletic. I mean, the most athletic guys are playing other sports. You know, you need you don't really. Can you imagine if, if Kyler Murray came to the A's and played baseball? I mean, he could have been. We don't know what could have been. He's going to have to go to the minor leagues, probably. And. You know, and that's the other thing about baseball that sucks is like the this clock control. Everybody knew that Vlad Jr. was was ready. He was mm-hmm. ready, but you held him in the minor leagues for an you extra know, like two months, three months. Like, that way, his clock didn't start. It's BS. Whatever. Yeah, it's you know. So, you know, to me, this the the MLB bought all these minor league teams. And they they created a monopoly. Minor league baseball was in a much healthier spot before it was monopoly. You know, mm-hmm. there, you know. So for me, I think there there's this. I don't know the exact detail of who's proposing what, but there there's something about like the MLB teams could basically only control a hundred to hundred and fifty players. Um, you know that that's who they are in team control of throughout the entire levels of MLB and minor league system. You know, me personally, I think that there needs to be some type of combination of that. Where like right now, is it a twenty-six man roster? Do they go to like twenty-six? It's twenty-six. Yeah, it's twenty-six. Yeah. So to me, maybe you go to you, I. Me personally, I would think you have like control over like 75 players sprinkled throughout the system. And then basically, you know, each team would have their 75 players that they control. And the rest of the minor league system, they could, those guys are, are, are work, playing for minor league teams. And they can, if an MLB team offers that player a contract, then it's, you can't just sign them. You lose, you lose a spot. So then you got to give up a player and then that minor league team gets something in, in, in return. So probably money um, where when we have to get these Japanese players, oh. these Japanese teams get, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, $50 million just to have the negotiating rights. 
you know, so do something similar. Hey, you want to sign this player, then the minor league team, you need to pay him five, $10 million to get that, that, you know, hot starter or, you know, um, that player, whatever. Um, I'm sorry. The minor league system is just, it's broken. Curry has hit six threes in a row. He already had eight and a half, and he's going nuts right now. So I apologize. I, I'm going to be myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've beaten this horse pretty well uh, dead right now. Uh, we can always revisit it. Um, we, uh, I think we should probably move on uh, to yeah. uh, just some good news in Oakland. Uh, the final environmental impact report was approved by the city council six to two. And Oakland is now, uh, they've inched closer to a new stadium. This is the furthest along uh, any project that has uh, gone. It's it's the furthest. Um, Dave Cavill was actually asked about it uh, by Casey Pratt. He said, if this was a marathon, what mile marker are we at? And he said 20. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're, you know, this is, we're we're in the home stretches of this thing. Like this is, there's, um, there's now the the um, uh, any lawsuits have to be settled within the next nine months, so uh, that clock is ticking on that. So you know the port is gonna have some like some people are gonna sue. That's what happens with all of these kind of projects of this size. So, but there start, is that yeah. there is that thing that the city of Oakland put in there where, you know, if if the if these people that are suing these corporations or whatever they're suing they need to come to a resolution. You can't just keep dragging this thing out in court. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. um, So we'll probably find out a little bit later this year, if this is going to happen, there's what Vince said with the lawsuits, but then there's also the, the vote on community benefits. And Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of, you know, on the hook votes where, you know, who's on the hook if the build out doesn't, happen by this time and infrastructure or it's not creating the the tax revenue expected who's who's on the hook for this so there are some things that need to be ironed out i think there's three more there's also the county vote that needs to vote if they're going to get into bed on this project i believe there's also the vote to do the new um zoning um the a's are are proposing that there's this where the Howard Terminal is, a part, a portion of Jack London and some other areas would be part of um, some type of tax, uh, special tax, where the the tax revenue is going to pay the loans that the A's had to take out to pay for the infrastructure. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of nitty gritty still yeah. to come, and that's why there's. St- I mean, if, if you're in mile twenty of a marathon, there's still six miles to go. So it's still, we're not done yet. There's still plenty of ways for this to fall apart. Um, but this is, this is new territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've never gotten this far in, in a project. So, um, I, and there are plenty of people who are like, until there's shovels in the ground, I'm not hopeful. And I totally understand that. But I think it is important to highlight the fact that this is, this is uncharted territory. This, yeah. We've never gotten this far with the project. Uh, this is, I mean, the, the hundreds of artist renderings we've seen in the past, I mean, at that, uh, you know, when, when you're talking artist renderings, absolutely for me, like, yeah, I, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're talking approved final uh, environmental impact report, that's huge. That is, that is nothing to like, you know, 
uh, that's nothing to poo poo. That is very important. That is very crucial. And that opens up the next votes that need to happen. The next, you know, working out details and stuff. So, I mean, we said before they're, you know, uh, I, I think they're probably somewhere around, you know, 80, 90% of the way there. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like, yeah, like Sam had mentioned to me this past weekend is that if this plan doesn't go through or the stadium doesn't go through, it's because of the A's. It's not because of anyone else. I mean, the city, this is, again, this is the most effort I've ever seen that gives me hope. Cause I will tell you that about a month ago, I had no hope. I was ready to say goodbye to another team that went, that goes to Vegas. Like I was, I was not ashamed to say I was definitely one of those guys. Yeah, I, I think the majority of people that are A's fans, if they go to Vegas, they're not going to support this team. Um, and I think the the city of Oakland is pretty much doing everything they can to be protecting of the city. There's a lot going on in the city with education and policing that is the priority. You know, the homelessness, um, affordable housing, all these things, it, it's important. And there's a really good opportunity for the A's to stay. And there's a really good opportunity for restaurants and bars and, you know, a whole new community to have access to the water. Um, it would be a huge positive. I think this plan is a good plan. I do, I do hope it works out. Obviously there's a lot of little details to protect the city and the County and citizens and things like that. Um, Everybody, if you're listening to this far into our podcast, you know, I, I don't like John Fisher. You know, I don't buy anything from the Gap or Old Navy or Banana Republic. Like, I don't support it. Um, I don't really buy A stuff anymore because it's, it's a slippery slope. You know, I, I was a fan of the brand. Um, I hope they stay here. Um, but it, it's as exciting as it is, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to be fully on board, especially when Dave Caval is tweeting, wow, this is great. But then he does an interview with the Las Vegas uh, journal and is telling Las Vegas, ah, it's not that really big of a deal. We should still keep developing the plans for Las Vegas. So he's hedging the bets, you know, and I don't know, you know, it's, I've, I'm hopeful because of the environmental impact report and the renderings and how far deep the A's have spent money. You know, you know, they're saying they spent 30, 35 million just getting to the environmental impact report and not including the renderings and design and all of that stuff. So I hope that they're not looking at it where they spent all this money on Oakland and then just head over to, las vegas you know so i don't know you know it's get the shovel in the ground um is where i'm at you know and yeah, it doesn't I mean, that, help that, that they're probably going to trade chapman and olsen and Luriano. so it it's a really difficult spot to be in as a fan yeah that's the other weird thing too is that the a's on the verge of getting a brand new stadium and they're going to go in with definitely not a playoff ready team <laughs> which i mean, I mean isn't I, it's not, it like doesn't always least, happen but yeah isn't this the least exciting you've been for a baseball season that you can remember like oh yeah as, oh, i yeah. mean it's because we're a's fans but also like 
there's this lockout, you know, the A's are going to tear your team apart. And then there's this like stadium thing that they're, they're kind of in on in Oakland, but they're also kind of in on in Las Vegas. Like you're, you're not really excited. Like there's really nothing to like, well, you know, I'm excited for this one year that they're going to have. I mean, as shitty as it was to see the Raiders leave at least like, you know, that was a messy breakup, but at least like, um, Mark Davis had like John Gruden here and Derek Carr like tried to put a winning team. Like it didn't work out, but they, they tried like something happened. And even with the warriors, you know, like the warriors. Yeah. As soon as this ownership came in, they're like, Hey, we're going to San Francisco. Hey, okay. But we got some championships out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, this was- is like, Oh my God, this is so uninspiring no matter what way you slice it you know yeah it's it's not the most riveting season of, of baseball if, it, if if baseball even happens you know what i mean right oh my god curry just hit another three i think he's got like 15 threes tonight i think that's 14 yeah oh, okay but yeah it's an all-star game record he, he yeah. broke that at, a, at halftime yeah i mean they flashed it earlier as 13 threes all-star game record so yeah uh that's that's 14 at least Oof. yeah so but all right guys well uh vince i'll let you do the uh the honors of sending us off here all right so um please slide into our dms uh, you can do that at svt sports pod on instagram or twitter you have questions or comments send in a, send us an email svt sports pod at gmail.com and uh yeah we look forward to interacting with you all yeah, man. You guys have a wonderful uh, night and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we'll t- we'll talk soon, guys. Good night, everybody. See Later, ya. guys.